Josh about the things people love to hate and hate to love, and we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Yes, we are back again, back again. You know, yeah. guys, the technology that we used to record the podcast just got <laughs> upgraded, and they're trying to tell us that we should also do a video recording of the podcast as well as an audio recording. Yeah. Would yeah. anybody want to watch <laughs> us on YouTube talk for an hour? Anyone. If you do, yeah. send us an email. <laughs> Yeah, if we get a hundred reviews, then we'll do a special episode with visuals. Shelby, we're never getting a hundred reviews. It's just not. I'm I just. Know, that's the point. Maybe we should tell. Yeah, maybe we reverse happens. psychology. Everybody, we have enough reviews. Oh, Don't yeah, leave yeah. any. <laughs> if you were thinking about it, say mm, no, not we for me. Heard enough from you, pissers. We don't need any more feedback. Speaking of pissers, the woman from that merch line keeps emailing us, Shelby, and I'm like, I'm not <laughs> responding to this. <laughs> Yeah, I neglected that. I should get back into it. The problem is that the place where I design like our logos and stuff, you have to pay for a membership to make it transparent, like so that you can then take the file and upload it anywhere. And I don't want to pay for it. And Mm. so I just like have hap creative designs. (laughs) And then I try to move through those designs on the on the merch website. And then I'm just like, you know, you, you cut out, you, you pay the middleman, you pay shipping. It's like, you get 30 cents for this pair of sweats. So it's like, what's worth it, you know? <laughs> oh, we get 30 cents for the pair <laughs> yeah. of sweats. Oh, well, yeah. I was planning on you making know? it rich off of these sweats. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just weighing the pros and cons, but this is good. We're crowdsourcing. So yeah, everyone, do you want visuals? Do you want merch? Are you more concerned about um, my lack of Photoshop being posted, like, you know, let us know how we're doing because we're coming on three years this summer. Is that right? Three years this summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh. long. So old. <laughs> <laughs> people would have yeah. people say, Matthew, why haven't you given up already? And I say, well, <laughs> no, that's nope. Not in the cards. We're going to become yeah. famous podcasters. It's going to happen. <laughs> They're like, Shelby, you must be getting so many downloads to keep doing this every week. And I'm like, I honestly don't know. (laughs) What counts as so many? I did. I, I, when I was running the Instagram account, I saw somebody mention us as an indie podcast. And I was like, ooh, I like, I like the sound of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like underground, you know? Mm -hmm. We're like Brooklyn in 2000, like before it became cool. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) <laughs> when We're it was just like poorly things. yeah run <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay but um i'm excited for this week i feel like there's not as much news but oh the yeah stories themselves are delightful are they i feel like there's hardly <laughs> anything but sh- go for it go first okay i i wanted to talk about this because i couldn't remember if we talked about this pairing on the podcast, but Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles are rumored to be. Dating. Yes, we definitely did talk. We about did them talk at about it. Point. I couldn't. I don't know. I have like well, pregnancy brain. We'll call it that. Sure. But um, this last week, she made headlines because she is she's making this film. Don't worry, darling, which yes. is starring Florence Pugh and now Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how they met, how they started dating, how they fell in love, whatever. It's still not been confirmed officially. But this week she posted an Instagram celebrating the movie by like celebrating him. And it was the most gushy, weirdly like, you know, bar on the ground, just basic male decency praise. And it was all about how she was talking about how, like she says, little known fact, most male actors don't want to play supporting roles in female-led films, she wrote. <laughs> 
And it's like, okay. I'll play a, <laughs> I'll play a supporting role in a female-led film. I know. I'm like, uh, call me. I guess. I mean, like, what do we mean? But she goes on this like two-paragraph tangent on this Instagram post, just praising Harry Styles for how he's, you know, br- bravely broken against industry standards to stand with this female-led film and to like, you know, bring his brilliance to to celebrate Florence Pugh and just how he has infused every scene with his humanity and how he didn't have to join their movie, but he jumped on board with such grace and humility and has just blown us away every day with his talent, warmth and ability to drive backwards. And it's like, she gives this post and it feels very much like she wanted to post a man crush Monday, but didn't want to confirm that he was her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. But then it was just like, Maybe she's contractually <laughs> obligated to say that. Maybe that's in yeah, his contract. Like you he, have to write this like, out. I shall deign to be in this dumb woman film, but you must give me an Instagram paragraph. And that's what's weird is that everyone was like, "Are we just praising men for doing their jobs now?" Like it's like on one side, it's like we've always been doing that, Shelley. <laughs> that's not a new thing. You're right. Are we continuing to just celebrate guys doing the absolute bare minimum? Where it's like. It's his obligation to show up and bring his skill to the film that you hired him for. You know, like it's not this isn't a revelation. This is just basic uh, expectations. And then on top of that, for this to be kind of her first post about like her excitement of making the movie. And it's all about like, oh, it's a woman's it's directed by women. It stars women. It's a female led film. But to then put this well, you know, on the man in the movie. But sometimes just you just you get the goggles on. She's like <laughs> lovesick and she's obsessed with this person. I know. I know. The real and question I'm like, is, Shelby, when are you going to post a nice, long, gushing statement about me on our Instagram and how <laughs> I continue to show up? Blow me away with your talent, warmth, <laughs> and general. I'm doing set. that every week. Every week. I just week. don't feel it. You know, I'm driving backwards. Definitely. Definitely a female-led podcast, though. Like I think okay. we can all okay. Agree. okay, 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 okay. <laughs> That's enough on this story. Moving on, moving on. I feel like this is a weird small piece of news that I'm just confused and sort of fascinated by. So Anne Hathaway, our beloved, was on mm-hmm. this past week's episode of RuPaul's Dry Grace. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she was like originally supposed to be like a judge or actually on the show or what happened and maybe COVID got it canceled or something because they were doing a every season they do something called a rusical which is basically where they there's a musical and they kind of have to like lip sync to it and it's Mm -hmm. one of the Mm -hmm. competitions that they have to do and so she was brought on to like mentor them because she has been in musicals but she wasn't there in person she was there via like a zoom call so she her face just like (laughs) showed up in the workroom and these drag queens then got to ask her questions about like how like where do you find inspiration like what do you do when you get in your head you know just like basic Mm. basic acting questions so the whole segment was sort of useless but in the middle of it Anne Hathaway drops this bomb that she was like the ninth in line for her role as Andy Mm. in the Devil Wears Prada which got a bunch of headlines Mm -hmm. and not that I would ever say that Anne Hathaway is lying about something. And I also do feel like this does like, she wasn't that huge of a star at that point. Like you could yeah. see th- them asking people who were a little bit more like fashiony, I guess maybe. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But who in the process would tell her, oh, yeah, you were ninth. Like, we, we would try <laughs> to get eight other people and they wouldn't join that like they wouldn't be in the movie so then we came to ask you or was it that she just heard from a bunch of other people that they had been offered the role and Mm. she was like slowly adding it together as sandra bullock is like oh yeah i was (laughs) offered that and she's like oh and emily but oh and i was offered that and she's like wait this means that i'm the night like how did this come up this is such (laughs) a weird piece of news don't you feel like it's like an agent who's like Oh man, this is going to be tough, but you've got this, Annie. You bring your best to this you bring your best to this audition. I think you can beat out X Y and Z. I mean, maybe I feel like it's some some producer like years later <laughs> tells her, "Oh yeah, you were ninth. But like at that point, can we really remember <laughs> like Tucci. you know, yeah. it's like uh I'm I'm slightly yeah. skeptical of this information. It's a very specific number. And whenever a celebrity cites a specific number, I'm just like, well, this is a lie. It's like <laughs> the Lady Gaga. There could be a hundred people in a room and one person believes in you. And it's like one person, Lady Gaga. Is that really all it took was one person? You know, there was a hundred people you? in the room with Olivia Wilde. And the only one who <laughs> believed in her was Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bless her. Um, I... I was surprised you didn't bring this up, but uh, this is breaking news. Um, the Hollywood Foreign Press is part of a scathing expose oh, from yes. the LA Times. Mm-hmm. I did see um, this. They are, of course, the voting body for the Golden Globes, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, along with their totally bonkers um, nominations and snubs, mostly towards <laughs> shows um, that were racially diverse and much better than Emily in Paris. Do not general. start coming for Emily in Paris, <laughs> which was a fantastic well, I'm show. I'm starting to think you must have been part of this because the the expose first acknowledged that there are zero black journalists among the 87 members of this Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which isn't necessarily a surprise given their history of ignoring um, black and brown voices, but it was nonetheless... Uh, you know, the first factual charge that this is, there's nobody of color in this, in this grouping, mm-hmm. or at least nobody black. And then on top of that, there's just this huge ethical, just mess where they are allowing its members to receive these perks from studios oh, and networks, yeah. um, which most notably this year found many of them being flown to Paris to watch Emily in Paris stayed at this gorgeous hotel where rooms were like $1,700 a night. We're just showered with this whole presentation and just dinner out, like just a lavish trip. And so then, you know, it's a little quid pro quo type of thing where suddenly this show that no one ever in a million years thought would get nominated for any prestigious award is suddenly showered with quite a few. And on top of that, you know, there's there's um, different people being paid by the foreign press itself. There was an expose, a piece of the expose that highlighted how the the um, association got COVID relief funds to then give to journalists who are struggling, but instead paid themselves off because they're like well technically we're journalists and technically you didn't tell us who would be like Mm. eligible for this relief and so it's all very very um 
nasty and you know this is coming a week before the golden globes and so well i mean please don't scroll back through my instagram (laughs) feed to see my life as a glamorous journalist in paris uh Yeah. (laughs) yeah i i also read this news and then i was reading an article from vulture and i was unclear as to whether or not this was like an actual fact or they were just joking but they said that there was someone in the in the Hollywood uh, foreign press who was over 90 years old and was both blind and deaf. <laughs> and I was like, uh, well, that's representation. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but also like, how are you judging these TV shows? Mm, an interesting question. Anyways. Uh, th- I mean, that's a, that's a side <laughs> tangent of, uh, I, I, I like I don't even know if that's real or not or if they were just <laughs> mentioning that in the article but yes the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is this like very strange body of journalists who I think for, are from other countries but like mm-hmm. cover things in the US all kinds of swag and stuff gets sent to people to all of these mm-hmm. awards bodies but I yeah I think because the HFPA is so small and it's such a small group of members these studios and stuff really send them a lot of things like give them yeah. a lot of perks <laughs> because they know oh you really only need a couple of these people to be on your side in order to get a nomination so yeah I mean I have heard of stories of them you know getting taken to fancy dinners and things before I had just never heard such concrete evidence, but (laughs) this does sort of feel like a situation where at the awards, somebody's going to have to come on and make a statement or something. Yeah. Do you think, because some of the sources for this article were members of the Hollywood foreign press, obviously. And there's a general concern by some of them that like, oh, they're they're diluting their own prestige. And so do you think there will be significant changes or that it'll just be kind of like, let's ride this out? And then well, it sounds on. like that there must be multiple like there must be sort of an anti party within the group yeah. <laughs> that's trying to be like, hey, this isn't fair. We need to change things. And we're going to like wrap the other people in the group out to the media. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they named names, though. So it's like, will any of these people be forced out? I don't know. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, if they're getting loads of bad press, which, I mean, they are, it feels like they're going to have to do something. I mean, the Academy is a much bigger and more nebulous group of people that really any individual could shift blame (laughs) onto other people. And they've had to go through massive reforms in the last couple of years. So I don't know. Hopefully. I know. It'll be interesting. Will the Golden Globes be as fun if they're not so bonkers? I do love the bonkersness of them. <laughs> this year is going to be weird, though, because usually the Golden Globes is the event where everybody gets drunk, but they're all everyone's yeah. going to be at home. So I don't know yeah. how that will work out necessarily. Yeah. And this year wasn't like a fun kind of bonkers because it's like, OK, maybe if there hadn't been good television shows, we could all laugh about Emily in Paris. Or maybe if there hadn't been good movies, then we could be like, oh, OK, I guess I see why this is nominated. But they ignored like really good art that just happened to be made by people of color but but james corden got nominated so i mean that's that's a step for inclusion bless him yeah gay representation (laughs) (laughs) i was struggling sort of to find news and i put together all of these weird pieces of casting news that came out in the last week so i figured we could just talk about all of these quickly uh so they're remaking mr and mrs smith and they've got donald glover and phoebe waller bridge as the new Brad and Angelina. Oh, interesting. Which 
Like, I really like both of them, but I'm not really sure either of them is delivering on, like, sex appeal, really. You know, it's weird they're remaking that because that itself was just, like, a derivative spy movie. It's like, and it hasn't been that long. Like, what is the... I bet it's been, like, 20 years. But, like, why, though? You know what I mean? Because Hollywood has no good ideas, so they have to remake things. Duh. But it's like, why not? I mean, they could make, like, an Oceans 2 type thing. Well, they already did that. (laughs) I just don't know. I mean, I admittedly didn't really enjoy the movie that much. But I guess that's fun. I think it will... Aren't you tired of, like, spy and, like assassin movies like i feel like they're all the same i don't know i do like a spy movie and this feels like it's gonna be funnier okay i guess that's true that's true maybe they'll be making fun of the sexiness of yeah i mean i don't know because both of them are are comedians yeah i mean donald glover (laughs) sort of like swings back and forth between being like very serious and very funny (laughs) but phoebe waller bridge feels like is more zany yeah Interesting. Okay, carry on. Okay, piece number two is that they cast uh, the BBC show Conversations with Friends, which is based on the other novel written mm-hmm. by Sally Rooney, mm-hmm. who wrote Normal People. Mm-hmm. And the main cast includes Jemima Kirk and Mr. Taylor Swift, Joe Alwyn, who <gasps> is playing, playing? <laughs> a like adulterous, kind of dumpy loser husband. Oh my gosh, good for him. I'm proud of him. He keeps finding like the bad guy that he hasn't played yet. I I mean, he has to run out at some point, but not yet. Not today. <laughs> Have you not you didn't read Conversations with Friends, I guess? No. You just I hated normal that. people so much yeah. you were like, never. <laughs> it's interesting yeah. because it's it's Le- Lenny Abrahamson who made Normal People is back. It's like the same exact situation it's like we can't do a season two of normal people because there's only one book so we're just going to do like the other book by the same author right i think it will be an interesting choice Uh, the other strange thing is that it's irish and i think none of the cast members are actually irish they're either all like american or british so i think that will also be interesting can joe alwyn do an irish accent i guess we'll see Uh. He's tried a lot of different accents, I feel like. Well, well, Southern racist. He's, he's done that yeah. a number of times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's done like the American. I guess, yeah. No, that's it. I'm trying to think of what accent he had when he played the Nazi. Because he was technically the son of a Nazi who lived in Argentina. Was it like so... a classic German accent? Or no, was he doing cause... something else? I also can't remember... If he like talked, in it. I'm trying to think now. I mean, he had to have. This I don't know. does it, feel it like last. Joe Alwyn's biggest yeah. role to date. I mean, this yeah, will be a very like big the, TV show, and he will be front and center lead, in it, right? Yeah. So. And I also feel like that there's room in this show for some kind of Taylor Swift involvement, not like acting wise, <laughs> but there was a lot of. Uh, music. music cues mm. in the first one and I could definitely see something with that I mean she yeah. apparently is an energizer bunny these days and like yeah. writing 900 songs an well, hour he's so. apparently a songwriter oh too yes now, that's so. true I forgot about yeah. that <laughs> what's his name William Holden or something oh, William Bowery oh yeah. yes he might mm-hmm. be uh, credited on that uh, TV show. Uh, we'll see. And then the third piece of casting news is that they cast the lead for Bridgerton season two, which mm. is Simone Ashley from Sex Education. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was I sort of like, that, but... 
You haven't watched Sex Education? No, I know. I'm oh sorry. my gosh, Shelby. It's like my favorite show ever. I'm always I'm so nervous always to tell you about my favorite thing because I'm worried that I'm gonna get a text halfway through the first episode. This is crap. I hate this. No. Uh, but the it's weird for uh, we both of us had a lot of issues, I think, with the first season of Bridgerton. One of mm-hmm. them being this kind of strange dichotomy of the girl being so sheltered and then the guy being like this older like rake figure and jonathan bailey who is the older brother looks like in his 30s and simone ashley is most well known for playing like a junior in high school (laughs) in a tv show so i'm already like oh gosh is this gonna be another Uh, yeah but i feel like this is gonna be a whole nother season of like of the girl being like, oh, oh, what, what, what's a penis? <laughs> and then the guy being like, come to bed with me. <laughs> I got a method. Um, I don't think, I don't think that'll be the storyline. I mean, I, I don't know. Who knows where this will go? And I haven't read the book, but I'm sure the clues are there because it's based on a novel. But um, yeah, I mean, how old is she in real life? Like in her 20s, I think. And oh, he's okay. like in his 30s. Oh, mm. well... Good for them. And I mean, um, <laughs> who knows how that show will go. I feel like I'm I'm surprised. Like, I, I understand now it's based on a series, so I get that it's now focused on the brother. But it's sort of like you just spent an entire season making us care, supposedly, about this one couple. So are they just out of the picture now? Because it did kind of wrap up their storyline where they, like, you know, have their montage of having a child and whatever. But it's like now we have to just care about this guy who we didn't really care about you know like we like i don't know it's sort of a weird interesting the setup for a tv series yeah it's very strange again there's eight seasons well or i mean there's (laughs) eight kids so theoretically we'll be doing this eight more times and i guess you know there's a model in like the downton abbey or game of thrones kind of situation where it's just such a huge cast that you know you kind of shuffle people around and do different things every season and like sure there might be kind of a lead but there's not really that much of a lead Mm -hmm. but at the same time yeah i don't know what their story is going to be other than her being like now i'm a mom and i'm overworked (laughs) and i'm having marital issues overworked lol i would love to be a mother like a duke a duchess mother um but that's the other thing is the first season obviously made such a huge splash and um the star of it just hosted snl yeah and is now like being offered all these things and stuff and so it's sort of like unfortunate for everyone coming after him because i don't think any of the other seasons will get the same buzz and since we're already introduced to them they've already like acknowledged that the sex appeal is a lot lower for these brothers i mean no offense to them but they're nowhere near as like at least costumed up as they are. They're just not as handsome as the Duke of whatever his name was. Yeah. So it's like they have to settle for the scraps at this point because this, this first season was just so splashy and loud and 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 just like took over. Well, they better everything. give the Duke some good plot lines or otherwise I could <laughs> see a situation in which he leaves the show after like three seasons. You know, he pulls a Dan Matt or Dan Stevens. Yeah, well, good for him. <laughs> and dies in a car crash. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I mean, we'll get to see, I guess. I don't know when anything films anymore because of COVID. So who knows if that will come out anytime soon, but apparently it's filming involved. soon. 
because oh, okay. well, that's what they said. How are you going to do those sex scenes with the COVID precautions? I don't know. I Hey, they're doing them on Riverdale. They, they got mouthwash. That's what I... You're right. I, you're saw, right. I saw the behind-the-scenes video. They each had a mouthwash for 30 seconds or whatever before they kissed. That'll do it. Cure for COVID right there. Also, did uh, you watch... Um, did you watch whatever that terrible like Michael Bay movie was with? Oh no, of course not. But I thought that was that's like in your wheelhouse. Show it was like a disaster. No, movie. I don't support the. Uh, I I don't like when they take new events and rush a movie. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. So well, because I heard that there was that a nude scene so in it, dumb. and I wondered what your take oh, really? was. But <laughs> yeah, I honestly forgot that. So that came out. That's like already. I out. guess because no I feel like I saw people about tweeting about it, <laughs> but it, it very yeah, well could not well be. See. I have no idea. When does anything come out these days? It comes out in sixty-five different steps, and you have no idea. <laughs> well, speaking of, let's let's get into love it or hate it. Okay. Uh, um, I'll I'll start. Okay. Um, because I feel like mine's less imp- <laughs> good than yours. Oh. Okay. Um. So love it or hate it. Um, the To All the Boys trilogy on Netflix was, which speaking of, like started off as a big deal and has now had its third and final film come out on Valentine's Day, I guess. So it's been a couple weeks, but it's called Love You Forever, I think. I don't know. It's just the third chapter of To All the Boys. Was it good? Um, it was like, it was better than the second one, which I really didn't like because Noah Centino's character, Centineo's character. Oh wow! Way off. I need to just <laughs> Noah. Shut it in his head again, Anyways, bless his heart. I really loved him in the first movie. I think he he captured that like essence of sort of a a derpy teenage boy who doesn't know how to handle being the hottest kid in school. And I think they have great chemistry. It was a lot of fun. The second movie, his character just turns into an insecure, obsessive, jealous douchebag. And I really don't like that vibe. Mm -hmm. And so this third movie, there's not a love triangle in it. So it's a lot more, a lot less like about jealousy and about like, oh, do I trust you type thing? And it's more, (laughs) bless their little teenage hearts. It's about them almost graduating high school and trying to decide how to make it work in college. It ain't going to work. That's how it's going to happen. I know. I felt so old. Like me and my sister watched it together and we were just like, this is just dumb. Like drop the boy, like go to school. You're like, like, you're going to break up within the first month. (laughs) Everybody does. That's how it happens. I know. And so it's all the drama about she doesn't get into the school he got into and then she falls in love with NYU, but she feels guilty about moving across Isn't the country. Isn't that the plot of the third high school musical movie where they're trying I mean, to figure out different of, colleges? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, actually it is. So yeah, high school musical three is better, but this movie was fun. It featured a lot of New York scenes, which is always a delight oh. for my little heart. And, um, I really do love, um, sort of the vibe of the movie like i think they do a good job with the kind of candy colored (laughs) lens they show this like these characters through but it's definitely harder to watch now that i'm like older you know like as i've aged with these films i'm like oh my gosh like everyone involved in here is way well you're in parenting mode now because you're getting (laughs) ready you're like my you're like i got a daughter i'm gonna be Teaching these lessons in a couple of years. There was a moment where I was like, I would never let my daughter do that. (laughs) That's the other thing I have. Did you ever go on like a school trip? 
Like uh, a senior w- trip? Or- yes. Yes. We went to Colonial Williamsburg. It was very glamorous. Oh, fancy. Well, they go to New York City. Okay. And there's just a complete lack of supervision. And I'm just like, I, is that normal? Did you escape I, from your, from your um, what are they called? Like the uh, chaperones? Chaperones, easily. <laughs> You're like, I love my chaperones. Well, well the thing was, is like, we were not in a city, you know? Like, right, we were in true. Williamsburg. So we stayed at this, ho- at this like, timeshare that one of the kids' parents had or whatever. <laughs> and then... You know, we'd get in vans every day and we're going to Washington, D.C. We're going to this, you know, museum or whatever. So it was a lot. There were a lot less places to run around. I know in the complex itself that we were staying at, like the the chaperones weren't overseeing tons of stuff. So we like went to Mm -hmm. the pool and walked and did this. So if somebody had wanted to get up to some mischief, they definitely could have. Mm-hmm. But I'm always confused as to the like New York school trip thing because I <laughs> yeah. feel like living here you see it all the time these big groups of people and it just looks miserable <laughs> and I understand that if I was a high schooler I would think that is the coolest thing ever and yeah. would love going to New York with my friends but I am also like what are you actually getting out of that and yeah. like wouldn't it be better just to go with your family where you can like do more stuff differentiated <laughs> and not just all have to like be well, sitting maybe places maybe there's a price difference between a kid going along on a school trip than the whole family planning a new york excursion. i guess that's true because when you go on a school trip what you like raise money and stuff yeah. so you don't really have to pay for it as much and you're paying for one human instead of your whole family yes but it just always looks so <laughs> miserable to see like 50 people sitting outside Grand Central Station while their <laughs> chaperones are trying to figure out, like, okay, where are we getting lunch? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can watch this movie and see a few uh, high school scenes. Um, but it was overall, like, cute. I think the trilogy is a fun is a fun YA film done right. Like, it does right by its source material. I think the cast is good enough. Like, I am disappointed that Noah has gotten, like, so many opportunities from this whereas you know there's no love for lana who's the real star i thought she had another i thought she had a tv show i mean maybe but not to the level that like noah's gotten his but what has he done well he's done a bunch of netflix shows and i think he's cast in some hollywood movie which i don't i don't remember the details of but because i think that she's in that one that's like assassins or something that's some it's one of the it's oh yeah it's like not umbrella academy (laughs) but like maybe it's umbrella academy i think you're right i i just feel like the the imbalance is still there matt yes yeah i I will ride that horse all here's (laughs) here is why is because the market for that film is definitely young girls and they're going to be much more into him than her so that's just how it happens i know but it's cute it's cute family movies like fun to see sisters so all in all it was a nice finale even though yeah they aren't gonna last past christmas like that's just or you could just watch eurovision while you're on netflix eurovision (laughs) hubie halloween they're both there just like pick one of those oh my gosh um okay we were going to talk about this on the main episode this week but we, it got demoted to love it or hate it so we i think both watched nomad land which is kind of the front runner for best picture at the moment. Although Shelby has thoughts about that. (laughs) This is a film starring Francis McDormand. That's like, it's not a documentary, but it's 
like kind of half documentary. And basically Francis followed around these group of American nomads who, you know, sell their house and live in vans and drive around the country and sort of get these odd jobs throughout the year. And it's really a look at, I think, the struggling American economy and sort of the middle class. And that's how it was built. It's directed by Chloe Zhao, who I think is also a front runner for um, best director. And it's very, especially I think in the first half, there's like not really much plot to it. She's just driving around. It's lots of landscapes and the score is nice. And she's sort of, you know, doing different things with these random people that she meets but there's not a lot sort of going on i found in the second half that it really like heated up for me and i was really taken with it but this has won tons of awards it was nominated for a bunch of things including the golden globes uh so it's definitely something to watch out for um and i think that also in a year where so many of the best picture sort of candidates all kind of have a similar vibe to them where they're like somewhat historical about some kind of social issue. A lot of them are based on plays. They're very talky. This has a very different vibe from the rest Mm -hmm. of the group. So I could see that sort of being an appeal as well. I don't know. I really like this. I thought it was a very moving depiction of like grief and sort of mm. what she is struggling with as a woman. But I definitely think it's sort of slow moving, especially in the beginning. And for whatever reason, this movie is being haunted by three billboards. I feel like every tweet <laughs> I see is comparing this to three billboards. And it's like, other than Francis and the fact that there are roads in the movie, there's like <laughs> nothing that's similar. But what did you yeah. think? Because I got no, texts I from mean, you that were less yeah. than favorable. Well, to be fair, most of my texts were just like, what are we going to talk about for an episode? <laughs> it's a very quiet film. And like you said, it has a good score. It's, it's It has beautiful scenery. Like, Francis does a great job of carrying an emotional, like, heartbeat through the film. It feels semi-pretentious to me um, to be like, let's use like real americans like won't that be so edgy if we just like show real poverty like lol won't that be great and i and i know that that's not like what was attempted here it's not exploitative but it just feels kind of kitschy like it sort of has that like boyhood vibe for me where it's like we're just celebrating like it's stunty yeah it's just like is this really like a good standalone film that people will watch in years to come like i I don't feel like that. I think it it surprised people in that, oh, these people aren't actors. How interesting. Like, wow, this is real life. How interesting. But it's like, well, if you're going to make a documentary, make a documentary. And I think it robs the real voices of an opportunity to, like, really explain themselves. If you make it instead sort of this slow moving... I don't know. I just... Uh, honestly, it wasn't like I hated it. I can see like why it's getting praised, but for me, I just struggle with these movies that are just kind of like self <laughs> obsessed in a way. Like they're so proud of what they pulled off that I don't think they stick the landing as well as they think they do. And I just I'm someone who likes a lot more um I don't know, like meticulous detailing of stories and scripts and what of whatever else. So it's hard for me to kind of like enjoy these sort of let's go with the flow and see what happens sort of vibe um 
So will I be like disappointed if it actually wins? I mean, to a degree, yeah, because I think for one, Promising Young Woman is a stronger overall film in that it took more skill, arguably, to make it and script it and write it and storyboard it than something like this that's really just a 20-minute short that's dragged out to a feature-length film. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky because... I think that they're difficult in different ways. Like so much of promising young woman is the script. And then once you have that, it's like the rest of the movie. I mean, the movie is good. I really like promising young woman, but like the actual making of the movie is not as difficult where something like nomad land, the degree of difficulty of like getting all of these shots, getting all of these interviews, it was based, I guess on a book and so Francis is sort of playing the main character from the book, but then uh, there was a memoir, but then a lot of the other supporting characters are played by themselves. So they're kind of playing like versions of who they are. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that is as a filmmaker is sort of trickier. And also yeah. the uh, Chloe Zhao who made this, there's, I don't There's a lot of, like, I think that there was a lot of just, like, driving around and filming things and then having to compile it together into a story later. And the first yeah. half is definitely meandering, and I feel like you could probably chop, like, 20 minutes off of this and maybe get a better movie. But I thought that it really all came together really nicely. And in documentaries, it's always tricky to see that happen. You know, there's yeah. lots of documentaries where you feel like, okay, it's like, partly there but then the ending doesn't work or the big middle doesn't work or something just because it's real life it's not scripted so i think that she sort of was able to iron out some of those kinks by the fact that parts of it were scripted but then there was definitely parts of it that weren't that were sort of just these i don't know more like (laughs) documentary side pieces i don't know i thought it was interesting i think it's definitely worth watching it's on hulu yeah and especially if you're kind of tired of all of the Oscar, the other Oscar type movies. Hmm. This is like a kind of a nice break from that, and it's also I guess, yeah, it seems better than Mink. So yeah, and it's him. not and it's not super stressful. I didn't think either. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, or too like uh, thinky. It's a pretty quiet yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very lyrical. Yeah, <laughs> but okay, we have somehow gone on for far too long talking about a week where I thought there was no news. <laughs> So we should end this. But uh, we'll be back on Thursday to talk about I Care A Lot, the Netflix Rosamund Pike movie, which I think there's a lot to talk about there, hopefully. Mm. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. You can send us an email at psurong at gmail.com about merch or whether you want video podcasts in the future or whatever else you want to tell us about. And you could also not leave us a review. Please don't <laughs> yeah, do that. Don't, don't ever leave us yes, a review again. That'd be the worst. And we'll see you guys on Thursday. Bye. Bye.